Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today, Saul wants to talk about space opera. Not just any space opera, but space opera, the role-playing game. Right. I know, I know I mentioned it quite a few times about space opera. And some of you may be wondering, what is this old archaic thing that Saul keeps bringing up? Or but, you may not. Or you may not. Or may... <laughs> So I decided to give a, a whole episode devoted to space opera. And space opera to me is probably one of my favorite games of all time, at least in the top three. So it is a game that I've played for a long time. I ran for a long time. I'm, I mostly ran. I've only played a few times. So from uh, about 1981 to about 2001, I ran a couple campaigns with different groups and i ran quite a bit of games at local cons here in northern california that was after 2001 wasn't it i might have been i think yeah i don't remember i think one of them our our friends had gone this was interesting he had gone through ddc uh what is it the ddc shuffler program and they have them online you can look at them all the way back to like Dundracon. Dundracon. I like five or six, which is way early, right? But I didn't go to Dundracon back then. I started going to Dundracon 1991, and uh, I probably didn't start running games until about at least 95, 96. So for about 10 years, I ran games at... at uh, space Opera. Space Opera at, at, at local cons from... I don't think I ran... I think I ran it at... Strategicon or not Strategicon, but something like that, but it's now defunct. Uh, Pacificon and uh, Dungeon mainly. So I ran it for quite a few, quite a few years. I even ran it at a con. I've mentioned that before, and I just wanted to give a little review of what Space Opera is. And is it even published anymore? Well, that's the funny thing is that it is in fact published. A lot of people. Uh, I'm on a several groups on Facebook. And one of the groups is Dead Games, called Society of Dead Games or something like that. <laughs> when people people post a picture of a game in there to talk about, oh, what about this game? Does anybody remember this game? Did everybody play this game is usually the two or three questions that always prop up. And every once in a while, Space Opera gets put up there. And sooner or later, somebody goes, well, actually, that game is still being published. And what has, from what I remember, is the publisher owner, the publishing company of Fantasy Games Unlimited, Scott Bazaar. I forget, he has a middle name, but I don't know what it is. Scott Bazaar has always maintained the licenses of the properties that he ha has owned. Uh, he got into a, a bit of a hassle with something, one of them. But, but for the most part, he would... You know, I forget what the rules are, but if you if you publish it, and then you don't lose the copyright. So even though Space Opera was uh, made in 1980, published 1980, he would periodically publish it in a traditional way and put books out. Well, with the advent of, uh, of PDFs and stuff, he remade uh, his company, sort of. I don't know if he, I guess he kept a hold of it, but. But he started a website, and it's Fantasy Games Unlimited, and he offers a lot of Fantasy Games Unlimited games. A lot of them. Like, there's Old Gangster, there's uh, 
all you know space opera, uh, a lot of games that I never saw but only saw in advertisement of what other games that they would sell. FGU published quite a few games. I forget how many. Uh, I was looking at their catalog not too long ago. They have what I would consider quite a bit of uh, different games. Uh, there was a Wild West game that I, I never saw. Uh, other games are Bushido, Sorbear, Year of the Phoenix, Daredevils. Uh, Aftermath was a, a big one. Uh, that's a post-apocalyptic game. But for me, it was Space Opera. is the one that I really latched onto. I don't think I ever picked up another another FGU game, I don't think, until much later. What I found was is that there was a quite a few typos in the game. That's a, that's a big uh, complaint about the game. There's a lot of typos. It's constructed kind of in an old war game style because the... Well, it was based off of uh, Mark Ratner's Space Marines, which was published in 1979, or that was the theory. No, no, it's true because if you look at Space Marines, it's a miniature game. It has all the same races and and the background is very similar to Space Opera. So Space Opera is literally based on the world that Mark Ratner kind of made in in Space Marines. Well, um, also, if you think about it, it was published in 1980. So right. you have to go back in your way back time machine there and <laughs> realize that that's Publishing probably not only that, but... According to what I read, yes. they, it was Scott Bazaar hired um, Ed Symbolist and Phil McGregor and Mark Ratner. Yeah. And they all lived in different places. Yes. Ca the Canadian West, Australia, and in the east of the U.S., which it doesn't say where. but Well, I think Symbolist was in Canada and Ratner is in Australia. And that would leave that Phil McGregor. So it was all done by correspondence. It wasn't like today where you can get on a Zoom call and no, talk to people all. all around the world. I can't even imagine trying to make a game with correspondence, talking or... I don't even think they could have emailed each other back then. So they had to literally write each other letters. Or, yes. And, and it says it was all done through correspondence. Oh, man. So obviously there's going to be some problems. I heard also Mark Ratner kind of stepped off away from the the whole deal he had a lot of what is it called it says mark had little input into space opera itself yes right and he i think he said uh in an interview a long time ago that it was just it was evolving more than he wanted to evolve it and he goes yeah go ahead just use the background and and then he stepped back it was mainly phil mcgregor and mainly symbolist right who who came up with a lot of the background and stuff uh Unfortunately, I think Symbolist passed away around 2007, and uh, Phil McGregor is still around. He is now in Australia, I believe, and is uh, he's doing Kickstarters. He's still creating games. He was a, I think, it was a history professor for to pay the bills, and uh, now that could be right or wrong. Going <laughs> Saul's memory is not always the best on things like that. So, Space Opera for me was my favorite game. Uh, I think uh, I have a weird hole in my memory and in my rpg shelves shelves for a while that that uh west end games star wars had come out and i never owned it and i don't think i ever played it which was kind of weird because i loved star wars but i had already bought space opera i had bought almost all in on space opera and here i am talking about space opera what uh, i bought in like 1981 that's good 40 years later <laughs> I'm talking about space opera still so a lot of people think that it's a dead game. 
It's not. Uh, Scott Bazaar still publishes it. From what I read and from what I hear, he basically is selling the stuff that he still has on in stock. And the idea of making second edition. Now, this is only one edition of Space Opera, so there was never the fixed edition, which is usually the second edition where they fix all kinds of things wrong, clean up the rules a little bit. There's never been another edition. I don't think there ever will be since Simblis has, has passed away and Ratner has is totally gone away from doing anything with role-playing games. And Phil McGregor, I don't know, I don't think he's very happy with with the way things turned out. There's all kinds of complications with uh, Scott Bazaar and his and his publishing company, but he still he still sells the stock that he has on hand. He now is selling PDFs. So I, I'm not sure if you can hold on to a copyright by selling PDFs, but maybe you can. I have no idea. And so he still owns the rights of a lot of these old games that that a lot of people played back in the 80s. And I was really surprised to see uh, a website pop up. I'm not, I'm not sure when this uh, website came up. I remember years ago, this was probably right around 2000, he didn't have a website. He wasn't selling, at least traditionally, through any sort of store. I think you could you could write to him uh, at the time and get a a catalog and then send him a check. I mean, this is old style. Send him a check, and he would he would send you the the book that he that he had in stock. But for the most part, I have almost every space opera book. Jolene just informed me that there's three more I have to get. <laughs> I did not inform him he had to get him. I told him what they were. Oh, yes. So, obviously, Space Opera, he got somebody to write uh, a, uh, they call them Star Atlases. And those, for me, they were very valuable. Uh, they gave you, uh, they were a Star Atlas of a whole sector in, in Space Opera. But I'm getting ahead, of my, ahead of myself here. So, obviously, it's still in print. Obviously, it's still around. It's not officially dead. What he's saying is he wants you to go out and find it and buy it no, and no, play I, it. No, no, no. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying because I've mentioned it quite a bit on, on our podcast from, from, from on different topics. And I just decided to do a, a review of, of the game and, and, and talk about how there's a lot of misconceptions about it, right? People say, even just the other day, I was listening to Happy Jack's podcast and they were talking about they were, I forget what they were talking about, but one of the, the the host goes, oh, man, space opera. And he, he goes, he goes, that's ridiculous, crunchy game. They're talking about crunchy games, I guess. And he goes, we made, all we did in that game was make a character. After three hours, we had a character made, and, but I've never played it. So that's, that's a, he might have been a little bit uh, exaggerating. But I think the first time you look at rules of any game, especially anything a little bit more complicated, a role-playing game, it's going to take you a while to make a character. Well, and it, it says that character creation is a long process in space opera. Right. It takes about an hour if you're experienced yeah, it's to about make right. a character. I, I would take me about an hour to make a character when I got good. But it has a lot to do with, I mean, there's some random roles, but then you have to choose a bunch of stuff. Right. So this is what Scott Bazaar had to say about space opera. Uh, let me see. He says that uh, in the introduction, he says space opera is not an easy game. To which I say he is totally correct. It was made in the 1980s. It's based on kind of a of a miniature setup. A, a lot of these, I'm guessing, I don't know, but 
Simlist was was into uh, miniature games or war games in the past because it has that traditional uh, war game feel. Feel and and when you uh, in the rules instead of like like let's say the table of contents referring to page numbers, it refers to section ten point zero one. 10.02 and that's a total war game way of of uh it also tells you the page number but it also tells you the <laughs> the, the point system and um, i always thought it was weird because i, I didn't play war games but i just kind of just okay fine whatever i wrote quite a few notes about 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 space opera but i'll i'll try to be brief in this half hour he'll try he he usually isn't so space opera came in a box set it had two volumes, the booklets, uh, volume one, volume two. They were not named. They came with uh, these like little bit cardboard sheets, uh, handouts that gave you. Uh, they were blue for some reason, mine. And anyway, they copied what fine back in the old days, and they probably still do, except for now maybe they copy. Anyway, they had some pretty cool sheets. Uh, obviously, a character sheet. They had a planet uh, sheet that had. Uh, like a globe made flat, so it kind of had that triangle shape to the, to the to the planet. I don't know people who make. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. You I, made my eyes glaze <laughs> over. Uh, there's a and then there's a planet, uh, like the what is it the, the social and economical elements of the planet on a sheet. It had uh, other stuff. There was all kinds of. Uh, there was like three cardboard sheets that were double sided, and they each had like a blank character sheet, planet sheets. And uh, and a geogra- geographical geo, which geographical geographical information of the planet, and so on. Uh, I think it had uh, the box that also had a little thing about advertisements for other games, and that was it. I don't. It didn't come with dice. Uh, it was. Uh, it's used. Uh, yeah. It didn't come with dice. So it's a percentile system. It's very simple. You have a number that you have to roll under to to hit. And the number is really easy. I think if you're standing erect, standing or erect, it says you have, a, a, I think it was like a 95% chance of hitting. So the only thing that changes that 95% chance, of course, is modifiers. And in Space Opera, there's a ton of modifiers. There's a modifiers for movement, for the, for the target moving, for you moving, the size of the target. If you're under combat fire, it, all these things, right? So, the, so that number is going to go up and down depending on, on, uh, on all these modifiers. Which you know, some people think that that's a lot of stuff to, to keep track of, and I guess it was during combat. I have no idea what you just said. You lost me in the middle of that explanation. <laughs> all right, so let's go back. So I use a percentile system to hit, and you have to have a number to hit, and that number goes up and down depending on all these modifiers. Okay. That you got to roll. Under. Okay. But before you even get to the combat system, you have to create your character. Right. So that's where we'll start off. So the first the first book is basically a character player's handbook, right? It it tells you or shows you how to make a character. And the first thing you do when you make a character is you choose your character classes. That's right. You choose your character class. And there's six classes. There's a uh, Okay. There's, there's ar- armsman, astronaut, tech, with a subclass of arms tech or crimes tech, <laughs> and scientist, which you can be a pure researcher, a medical researcher, a physician, and engineering subclasses. Those are the classes. Right. 
And then you determine your uh, attributes. And there's uh, 14 attributes. 14 personal characteristics. A D100 is rolled. Right. And you use a, it's, you roll, and you roll a percentile dice, which you uh, then go on a chart, and it tells you what, what number that corresponds to between 1 and 19. Yes. 19 is the highest. Now, now people think, well, why do I have to roll percentile dice and then convert it to a number between one and why not just roll a d20? So what, what they also did is, they, depending on your, uh, your class, they gave you points to adjust to whatever you rolled on a percentile dice. <laughs> There's 14 personal characteristics that you have to roll? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Jolene, even though she's played... She's never made a character, so no, because Saul and made the characters for me, or Felipe. I don't know I who. Did him. Oh, I think he was using my characters. We'll, I'll quickly note, rattle off the the attributes. There's physique, strength, constitution, agility, dexterity, empathy, intelligence, psionics, intuition, bravery, leadership, general technical aptitude, mechanical aptitude, and electrical electronic aptitude. Electronics aptitude. Electronics aptitude. So what happens is you roll a, D, you roll a percentile dice, and and you roll uh, let's say you roll thirty five, and that corresponds to like a twelve on your. This is like way old school. Yes, character old school. creation. But if you're an armsman, let's say you're talking about physique. If you're an armsman, you get forty points to spend on the percentile point percentile side of the, of the of and that's the where the hard part comes in on making these characters. I read that. You have all those points to spend, right. and you got to figure out where you're going to put them. So right. that's probably why it takes people so long to make. Well, their characters. that's true because they got to make decisions. So what's really cool? I I thought it was really cool back in the day when I was making characters. Is let's say you only need three points to get to the next, uh, from let's say twelve to thirteen. So out of the forty points, you spend three points to raise your strength to the next level. And and well, so you could like micromanage how many points you're going to spend here and there, and maximize mini maxers. Mini maximize the 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 numbers. But before you, you get to that, yes, you have to after you choose your characteristic, you get your fourteen things. Yes, then you have to choose. You have to do your planet of birth well, because that. Or do you do that before you choose? You your, do that before, yeah, because before. because that's going to change. That could change a lot of stuff. Yes, because you have to roll for. Gravity, atmosphere, and climate. Uh, well, and you're getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm so confused. So you write, you rank your character, you make, you make your attributes. Once you decide, and then you decide what what class you're going to be, and then you get these bonus points to boost whatever numbers you want. And, is, and you're not going to want to do that until you know where you come from and stuff, no. right? Well, uh, the way they have it set up, no. So the, what another thing is is that the attribute the attributes or characteristic boost only apply to certain attributes. For like for example, the armsman, basically a fighter type character, will only I think uh, I think I wrote down even. So you can see why people think that this is a hard game because it's really hard just to create a character. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's just it's just a little bit more complicated than rolling three six eye dice and there you so go. So you don't have to tell us everything about so, it. So so let me say so for example the armsman can has the forty points to spend on physique, strength, constitution, agility, bravery, and leadership. So those are the six things that he can adjust. And those are the more important things for that thing. So if you're the scientist, you can adjust things that are important to the scientist and stuff like that. So then you go to the planet stuff and it's random. I, I always did it random, just like they say. And what are they? 
There's gravity, gravity, atmosphere, atmosphere, and climate. And climate. So each one is like a D20. And it says this could have effects on your personal characteristics right. and some of the choices of your race. That's true. That is true. After you figure out what planet you come from and type of planet, you go to... You what kind of race? And the races are, there's quite a few. There, There's human, obviously, transhuman, pithecine, saurian, ursoid, feline, canine, and avian. So some of them might not make sense as to what exactly are some of them, obviously. You forgot ursoid. Did you forget ursoid? No, I got the, I got ursoid. Okay. So Ursoid, just since you mentioned it, is a bear-like uh, race. So this is very, uh, I think it comes from, I forget what set of books, but there's a set of books out there, and, and this was a lot of 70s stuff, where when you go into space, you encounter cat people, dog people, and and, and this well, one. I think maybe it comes from Planet of the Apes, no? Well, it might be. I don't know when Planet of the well, Apes well, the, the Well, they have the... Pithocene. The, the pithocene, which is a which is resembles gorillas and stuff like that. Um, I like right. the the saurian, which are warm blooded dinosaur race myself. <laughs> I, I I don't know how big they are, but um, I know that the cat people and dog people are pretty cool and bear. So it's an interesting idea. I think a lot of it might come from Star Wars came out and they have the scene with all the different characters. Right, right, because it's, it's a- space, so. Right, and it's opera, opera, right? Yeah. Big, big, big thing. And Sp- Scott Bazaar actually does say that in his introduction. He says that space opera is trying to emulate the wor- the the worlds of the, the feeling, the, the feeling of E. E. Doc Smith's uh, books. And he specifically talks about space. I mean, about um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Yes. So uh, the, the we're now talking about the E. E. Doc Smith, the Lensman series, and he also mentions. George Lucas's Star Wars, you know, in the introduction. So obviously that wasn't that was on the brain of of at least Scott Bazaar and, and probably uh, the creators of the game. Uh, Star Wars came out in 1977, so it makes sense yeah. that they would include stuff like that. So there's quite a few races, and the only thing that limits what race you are is the planet. Like there's only certain planet types, certain races. There's all kind. Of, there's like 20 types of planets. Yes. So. So this is why if you ever want to play space opera, hope that your GM takes pity on you and makes all kinds of characters you can choose from so you don't have to do it yourself. Well, we're, we're, we're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> so you choose your race and it race, it, you know, there's all kinds of uh, information about the race. And then after that, you choose uh, what uh, military branch you or civilian branch you want to go into. And there's all kinds of tables of rank and how much money you make and getting promotions. a la traveler Very traveler like exactly <laughs> yes. you you you, you ex- exactly that's exactly what i've always thought it was very traveler like in that sense and there's a lot of influence of traveler I in think, fact one of the reviewers of space opera um and i don't know where the article was published or anything but i read this this one guy said that if space opera's rules were combined with the smoothness of traveler that it would be the perfect science fiction game. Okay, I wouldn't necessarily call Traveler Smooth, but the, the, the simpler way of doing things in Traveler, yes. And I think that's what they were going for. They were going for, they, they saw Traveler, which obviously came out in 70, I forget what year. The 70s. Yeah, right before this came out. And they looked and they go, well, it's not complicated enough. It's too simple. 
Traveler? Yes. Oh, oh so, so from a miniature gamer's perspective, they looked at it and said this. <laughs> well, I don't know from what perspective, but I think they wanted I think something. their I think their character creation for Space Opera is a little better than Traveler because in Traveler you could you die. Could die. Yes. <laughs> so there's no dying in Space Opera. So I think uh you spend two or three hours making a character, your character should stay alive. <laughs> right. So you pick your race, you pick your you, you pick your uh, your service, they call it, and it has all kinds of tables and stuff like that about you first you roll to see how long you're going to be in the service the tours of duty are two years and and after that you can re roll to get re-enlisted and there's all kinds of numbers you can number crunch to figure that out you roll three six-sided dice and you have to roll a number of that or higher to get re-enlisted but sometimes but the table goes from like two years which is the minimum all the way to 20 plus years so you could be in the military for a long time or in the service for a long time. And then they have tables about information about severance pay. Oh, my God. And, and, and retirement and all this other stuff. It's very a la. Traveler. Yeah, right. Then you get to pick your skills, which is very unlike Traveler, right? Traveler, it, you just roll dice and see what. Yes, Traveler is really hard with the skills. Right. Because you don't necessarily. Because you get... never know what you're going to get yeah. and. and... Sometimes, Sometimes your character sucks. <laughs> and he's the one that lives, right? Yes. That sucks. That's what happens. So there's none of that. You, In, in fact, they give you total... The, it says the last step can be the most time-consuming <laughs> step. You got points. You get a generous number of skill points, yes. and then you have to figure out where to put them. Right. So I will say that this is probably the area that could probably use the most uh, streamlining. Right, it was made in 1980, so things just don't seem very pertinent these days. And uh, but anyway, you get between seven and 133 skill points, <laughs> right? And then on top of that, on top of that, uh, you get five skill points for every year that you were in the service. Oh my god! <laughs> so you can, like you said, you get a generous amount of skill points. Most people will. Average at least over 100 skill points, and then they add the bonus points of how many years you were in the service. So if you were in the service for 20 years, right, that's 100 skill points right there. And so you're talking about you could be dealing with like 200 skill points. And and that's a lot. But the problem is, is there's like over 200 skills. Now, some of these skills can easily have been like just reduced in the in the number well it's kind of like which is the the system i don't think it's savage worlds is it no. savage no it's 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 gurps gurps yes. where at this point you want your your gm to narrow what your skill you, you want to know like maybe i don't need the 150 to 230 skill set right i need only these 20 that I should cho choose from well, or something uh, like that, right? A lot of it is is that there's a lot of prerequisites, right? So, for example, I... I, I, I Please don't go into an example. Okay. But there's a lot of prerequisites. It means that you have to get this before you can get that, and then you have to get that before you can get this. So, like, let's say, for example, uh, faster than light pilot. You, you can't to, see me, but I'm dying. You have to be an orbital pilot before you can get be a faster than light pilot. You have to be a inter stellar plant pilot before you can be an ftl planet so there's all these steps to get to become a faster than light pilot and you have to have a lot of skill in it so there's all these steps so you're going to be pouring points into stuff 
like that, where instead of saying, well, I'm just going to pay 50 points to become a faster than light pilot. Anyway, like I said, it's an old game, a lot of points being thrown around, a lot of decisions being made, and I think that is what probably takes the longest. But but when you get the, but when you get done with your character, you have a character that is one that you totally created and got not maybe all the things that you wanted uh, uh, skill wise because you could always use more. But you definitely got a character that you would like to play. Unlike Traveler, when sometimes you look at your Traveler character and he has uh, you know points in I don't know what. But I remember my last character, he was almost useless in a certain sense because he had a bunch of points in like i forget what it was but i'm like yeah but it but that's the that's the what is it that's the charm of traveler is that you have to play characters that you think are broken or pretty crappy they are for the most part unless you're really good at your roles but space opera goes to a different tact right at the very beginning of the the introduction scott says that you're not making you're not making average joes you you're making larger than it's life more like a D D. you're 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 extraordinary character extraordinary character exactly people who are normal stay home get a job get married have children and live their life that way you and your the characters that you make are not like that they're heroic they're superhero not superhero but they're heroic they're adventurous they're they're saving the galaxy i think the only thing you haven't talked about yet is psionics Right, and that's the last part of the book because it says that you don't have to include it in your game if you don't want to. And and Scott Bazaar does mention this is that there's a there's a lot of stuff in space opera. There's a lot of stuff in space opera that that can be just ignored. Like they talk about stamina factor and wind factor, and that, that and that's kind of like uh, getting exhausted and points before you can you know you get ex- winded. That means you lose a certain amount of points and or your ability to do certain things. Your stamina factor is like your hit points, and so I never dealt with wind because I thought it was too much, too complicated. You would lose points in wind for running a certain distance. I, I didn't want to keep track of all that stuff, so I, I usually ignored it. And most time they were in space stations and stuff like that, so they were not going to run, you know, hundreds of miles or kilometers. So Sionis is is basically the force. If you've read uh, the great the Lensman series from E. Doc Smith, they were they had these mental abilities that were kind of like spells, and this is the classic uh, the force use use. They able to do anything you've seen in in Star Wars. They had spells for it, and or they had psionics things, talents they call them in space opera, and you would you would develop them. You would spend points to develop your your spells. I mean your spells, your psionics. It was very difficult to be able to use psionics because you had to have a really high psionic score before you would even get a uh, ability to use psionics. I think it was like sixteen would be the bare minimum. Might have been higher. That's volume one, making the character. Oh my god! So we go to volume two. I'm gonna just gonna go run, 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 ramshot over that one. It's basically the game master book. It has it starts off with equipment, all kinds of stuff, a lot of stuff that is now obsolete, right? They talk <laughs> about computers weighing tons, right? <laughs> now we have computers that fit in our pockets. So obviously, so a lot of the stuff is very dated, but for, for the most part, some uh, some of the stuff is just space stuff well yeah exactly it's just normal stuff that that 
that you could include in a space game. They talk about survival tents, flashlights, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And then they get into uh, weapons, and then they get into combat. And the combat, actually, people say it's very complicated, but it's only from page 39 to page 51. So that's only like 12 pages. And in those 12 pages, there's four pages of complete charts of every weapon that they have mentioned. <laughs> right? Now, you think that's a lot. I'm going to be looking through all kinds of charts. No, because you're usually going to use certain weapons. So I, what I did, I would just write, I have a little box of the weapon that you're using, and I would put in the numbers that I needed for that weapon. Bada bing, bada boom, easy. You wouldn't have to look. keep looking at the chart in this book. So out of out of uh, what's that 12 pages four pages are are charts so that's only eight pages of combat rules now it is true like i said before at the beginning or earlier is that combat can be complicated because of all the modifiers that that you have to figure out to see if you what you need to roll and the reason for that is is because like like they said you are exceptional characters so you, you start with a very high number to hit 95% chance if you're standing up. That's a huge, on, on, on percentile dice, your chances are pretty good. But what really mitigate that is all the stuff you're doing when you're trying to uh, shoot somebody in, a, in an adventure type game. Running, you know, shooting off out, out of a car, all these things. So that, that, that's the stuff that drives people nuts. And for me, I don't remember it being that big of a deal. I would throw out some numbers. And, you know, they have a chart that... You guys love the charts. That's they the have the problem. chart, but after a while, it's like you can memorize all these numbers. And some of them I can still remember off the top of my head. Okay. Then the very last part is starships, how to make them, you know, what, you know, you know uh, how to make them, how they work, what's inside of them. And at the very end is starship combat. Now, I will admit that starship combat in space opera is very complicated, right? Very complicated. It is basically like a miniature starship game where you moving. They suggest using graph paper and. and oh, this is this is popped up. Starship combat Pathfinder. Pathfinder? No. Starfinder. Starfinder. Yes. Put put starship combat in because it was it's about starships, right? Yes, you gonna fight. And I sat through a game. You fell asleep through it. Actually. I. I didn't make it through the whole combat because Felipe and the GM were discussing the the grid paper or whatever they were doing it on, and I couldn't handle it. I it's asleep. actually very reminiscent of, of space opera, the, <clears throat> the same grid. You're moving at a certain... Uh, but I think space opera kicks it up a notch in a little bit of complication. For example, uh, depending on the size of the ship, it, it could only change its course... Uh, 10% of or a percentage oh my God. of a percentage of its size. So it could get really complicated. And for the most part, I pretty much ignored spaceship combat because <clears throat> if just, you, if you do it like, like star Wars, then you can just kind of ignore it and just say the ship goes this way and you're coming that way and stuff. Right. You mean like the movie star Wars? Yes. Well, yeah, but a lot of people like the idea of, of fighting ship to ship. Uh, most of my players never really cared about that. Because, well, because if you get hit, yeah, you're gonna die. Blow up, yeah. That's not not a good ending. But for you know, for the most part, like I said, I ignored spaceship combat, 
especially when I was running space opera because it was just to me it was too complicated and basically it's like <laughs> a little mini game kind of like in kind of like in star starfinder Star it's like a little miniature game boom the game stops uh stops becoming a, a fantasy or, or sci-fi a role-playing game and becomes a tabletop miniature game uh, just for that particular portion yes, of it of course and space opera does exactly the same thing it's and, very interesting so i think people that would like space opera are people that like a lot of who like to dig into rules and like to look at the the complicatedness of it right and then and then somebody pointed out like they uh, on the on facebook they po- posted about uh learning a new skill right <laughs> and indeed it does make it sound like it's ridiculous it is ridiculously it depends on the level of the person who's teaching you the level you're trying to achieve and then there's some formula that you have to punch in to be able to see what your chances are of learning going to the next step wow right so, but for the most part when you have a space opera character you're pretty much the like top notch dogs of the universe right you are the heroes of the universe and and most you don't need time, to lo- learn a new skill. You don't usually need to learn stuff. Now, you may or may not uh, allow people to stay in the service very long. So they may want, like, limit all oh, your terms of, of tour of duty is only, like, five to six years or ten years. That, that means they don't get as many skill points and stuff. But I didn't play it that way. I just made characters who stayed a good amount of time. And in space opera, you know, people live a long time. All the creatures live a long time. At least most of, most of the average length of uh, lifespan is 125 years. So if you get out of the service at 40, 40. you still got a lot of time to goof around and do all kinds of stuff. So for me, it was it was always uh, just like a, a lot of people probably did. Is it's a game that is very complicated and can be super complicated if you use every rule. But you could also not use rules as you see fit. In fact, it talks about if you just want to run a human campaign and ignore all the the other races, other races, you can. If you want to ignore psionics, you can. You can ignore win factor, which is the exhaustion rules. You can. I mean, and sometimes, like I said, sometimes the certain things, like you could just totally just ignore. There's this thing called the the handoff CR, which is called a characteristic role. And there is literally a page and a half of rules of handing off and passing things. Literally. Passing, you know, like throwing the ball or handing off, you know, like a handoff for handing off the football. And there's all kinds of, there's the speed of the person. There's all kinds of, are they running at the same speed? Are they running in different directions? And I'm, I was like, what? Uh, why is there so many rules for, a, for such a s- simple thing? It could have been, you know, there's all kinds of things like that that you run into this, to this in space opera where things can be really, what is it, uh, not simplified, but, but condensed and made easier. Well, that's simplified. <laughs> and of course, the typos. It's filled with typos. I don't know how many, uh, how many passes they did with an editor, but, but they could have used at least a couple more. <laughs> uh, just you know, simple typos like dropped off letters or add uh, letters that. That don't don't need to be there. You didn't have a spell checker back then, or or a, well, yeah, I didn't have a. There was the word processing was processing. yeah. I think it was old yeah old style typewriter. Yeah. I have somebody read it and fix it, and then have to retype it and 
definitely publishing is much easier these days with the advent of computers and uh, publishing software. So you like the game, yes. but you've just described a very complicated game Correct. to me. And I think that, I think, uh, I, like I said, I stopped running it uh, over probably about 15 years ago, but I, I still, I still like it. I still, I, I haven't played, I've tried other science fiction games and other science fiction games are for me. I play other science fiction games because I think I, they have an interesting mechanic. They have an interesting background. For example, Coriolis, which is based on Free League's uh, uh, die system, is a, is a one that I like. There's uh, there's one that I tried to get into, which was uh, Modifius's uh, Infinity, but that's kind of complicated too. And I don't think uh, Star Wars, I did buy the anniversary edition. Like I said, I've never played it. I never uh, got into it, but I bought it and I still haven't taken the shrink wrap off and read the rules i did try star wars edge of the empire edge of the empire i really like that system i think it's really neat i just played it a few times i ran it a few times and i played it at a friend's house but i i couldn't make the commute all the way to where he lived it was uh he just lives too far for me and my car <laughs> and uh but i only played i think once or twice and then i i decided i couldn't i couldn't make the commute to the coast. I still like space opera. I'm thinking about maybe running it uh, for my Friday night group. Oh, they would love it. And uh, well, I don't know about that. And uh, they would love it because it's complicated <laughs> and there's lots of rules and they could argue about them. <laughs> I don't know. Well, see, what's funny is that the person that I was talking about, a guy Happy Jacks, who said that all he got to do was make a character. He likes GURPS. Right, and GURPS could be a very complicated game. A lot of people like making characters, no matter how long it takes. Yeah, but he said he he thought it was way too complicated and, and not very good system. I guess I think it is like any other system. Once you know the rules to make the character, it may be a long process, but at least you know what you're doing. The first time you do it, and you don't know if somebody isn't doesn't know what to tell you to do. If you're trying to read it, like me and Augustine trying to read the Traveler book to big characters it's very very difficult well rereading the book now that i was just rereading the the first volume of character creation when i was really confused when i first read it me and my brother when we were younger it's not that confusing well one i already know the system but two it was i was relearning it so maybe that's why it was so easy but i'm like wow i can't believe that i thought this was really difficult it actually is just a step-by-step -step process that takes a while and like i said like you said the buying of the skills is probably the most time-consuming, but that's because you have maximum amount of freedom to decide what kind of character and what kind of skills your character is going to have, and that you know means to me. I think you get a character that you really want, not character that you have to play. <laughs> so go out there and buy Space Opera, <laughs> and and uh, no, go out there and check it out. You can buy the PDF on Drive Through RPG. You can go to their website, uh, just put uh, Fantasy Games Unlimited. I don't know. Or better yet, find someone who's already run the game and see if they'll run it for you. Maybe they'll make characters for you or help you with making the characters. I, th I personally like making characters in any RPG that I make because that gives me a, an idea of what how the game is going to be played. That's what one of our friends, Jason, always says. You have to make the character to learn the system. That's a good idea. I thought I'd come up with the, that one. I, I really like it. Uh, it's... 
just re uh somebody uh, this is the reason i made this we made i made this episode is because one i really love the game i ran it for such a long time and lately i've been seeing it come up up again again on the dead dead game society group on facebook and it keeps reoccurring and people keep going it's not a dead game it's still being published and in fact it just came out with three new uh, books right well the last one was 2018 that's but, pretty recent yeah the oh we i didn't talk about the the supplements there's a ton <laughs> oh of supplements God. for this game uh there's a lot of scenario scenario books there's these star atlases that have uh planets that have descriptions of planets and all kinds of like uh, there's a lot of what do you call it plot hooks to get your characters in 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 trouble and it's really cool. There's a number of star atlases. There's a huge meta of the game as far as the the future history of of the background of the setting. I only mentioned it because it's very dated. Because this game was written in 1980, so basically it became 1980 type star races in space or empires. Right? Uh, there's the GPR, the Galactic People's Republic, which is kind of like the USSR. There's the Terran Federation, which is mainly the Western, uh, Western Europe and the United States. And, and then, of course, they encounter alien races with their own empires and stuff like that. So there's all this in the first book, the Terran Atlas number one. There's all this future history in that book. And then there's other books that have quite a bit of history at the beginning of the book. And I think they're pretty neat. They're pretty neat. They have a lot of information. Then there's a star uh, spacecraft atlases. And this gives you books. Uh, these are books that have all kinds of different spacecraft. And those are pretty neat. And those, I think people have talked about it. Those are very useful for even like Star Wars. And especially Traveler. Because this is more or less a more realistic uh, 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 game than, let's say, Star Wars. So there's a lot of stuff and obviously they're still coming out with them they they came out with uh there is the gpr uh atlas number four atlas number seven the blarad kingdoms star kingdoms and atlas number six the hiss and the hiss are the the saurians i have to mention uh cipriano my friend he played a saurian and one of the things he had a problem with is that his uh his empathy level was really low so he was like a psycho psycho killer he had no empathy and so he played it to the hilt which i always thought was was hilarious and and i think uh that's pretty interesting i just wanted to give a shout out to sip for playing that character all the time and he had a lot of fun as you can tell saul is very excited about this game so um there you go there you go okay. he's gonna have to cut this one down a bit i think so if you are interested in space opera find it play it have fun. This is Game of Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a good day.